All right, so if you want to turn to Philippians chapter 2, I'm going to go ahead and read a passage there and move some of this stuff because I like to walk around a little bit. Um, Philippians chapter 2, and I'm going to go ahead and kick it off because we don't have very much time. If there be therefore any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, if any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, this is Paul beseeching this church plant, fulfill ye my joy, church, this is Paul, Paul says, church, fulfill ye my joy, that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem other better than themselves. Let not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Look not, not let, sorry. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, thought it not robber to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross." And so, what I want you to consider today is if this Christian life has been profitable at all to you, if you have seen any benefit from giving your life over to Christ, if you, when you you think about your life, who you were before Christ, who you were after, if there's any part of you that would say, this has been good, if the comfort of having Christ take up residence in your heart has changed you at all, Paul is asking that you would be unified with everyone else who thinks the same thing. So everyone else can sit here knowing that 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 passage is for you. He's asking that David would have the same mind as Sam. That, I'm not going to keep doing this, but you know what I'm saying. All of you guys would have the same mind as one another. And so I have a very, very quick video of a representation of this. And um, it's not, there's no sound. You just have, you have to read the subtitles. There's no, they don't talk. They're, they're apes. Sorry. So the new movies are really terrible. I mean, the old Planet of the Apes was probably amazing. These ones are horrible. That's just what Hollywood does these days is make bad movies. But what I like to think is that this part is true. It's a, it's a true concept that, that, that these um, chimpanzees are figuring out. And we are dumb like that. We, we are individually, we don't stand a chance. So what he does is he takes a twig, and he says, apes alone are weak, and he can, just, he can just snap a twig. Easy, it's all alone. But then what he does, this really smart chimpanzee, is he, he, takes, he takes a bunch of sticks, and he grabs them, and he, he tries to break all the sticks together, and they're like, well, when apes are together, they're strong. And that's silly, right? But that's what Paul is asking for us, to be the planet of the apes. Just kidding. <laughs> But it's true. But together, together we stand a chance. If we're not together, we don't stand a chance against this world, our flesh, and the devil. If we're just that one stick, well, he's the stick snapping master. He's going to snap you like a twig. But if we're together, it's going to be a little harder. Together, united, one mind, one body, one spirit, one faith, one baptism, one Lord, one God, and the Father of all, we can press towards victory that he's already won for us, right? We are building the kingdom here, right? Midtown Baptist Temple, we want to make an impact on the world in the name of Jesus Christ, correct? 
We desire to see souls come to the, to the knowledge of the redemption that they can have in Christ, to enter into the beauty of a relationship with Jesus, the Son of God. Our enemy, Satan, is seeking to destroy everything about our cause. He will send fiery darts at you. He will tempt you. He will attempt to ensnare you. He will send everything he can to snap you like a twig. And one of the weapons that he loves to use most against the church, one of his favorite things to do in the body of Christ is to destroy it from the inside. Moral failure, gossiping, cliques, infighting, jealousy, corruption, disloyalty, and personal low integrity. His favorite tools. And he achieves these things by destroying the unity of a local body of Christ. And so what we say, we see all this stuff. What we must say is that we must be diligent in protecting our unity. We must. We must be diligent in protecting our unity. Unity will preserve the church through the persecutions of the world, your flesh, and the devil. And vice versa. Our enemy, the creation, uh, the enemy of all creation, will tear apart every piece of the temple we build if we will not be honest in our pursuit of unity. And so I hope that you can hear that this is a serious subject. I'd I'd rather be all jokey and just keep talking about Planet of the Apes. But unity is very serious. It is a sober topic. So flip over to Nehemiah. I'm going to try to burn through this real quick. I think most of us would say that we're familiar with the story of Nehemiah. Um, How a humble cupbearer is called from his servant role in Persia, then returns to a place of his people, the Jews, to observe the wreckage there, their lost kingdom, and he leads the Jewish people in this mighty, massive campaign to rebuild everything that had been broken, the walls had been torn down, and Nehemiah leads the people, they they rebuild the houses, the temple, the walls, they reestablish hearing from the word, they set it up, the preaching, so this is like, you know, we're familiar with this. They lift all these walls, reconstruct everything. They fight off the attack from the enemies within and without. They don't yield to the temptations from, from political, um, politic, politicians without, from spies within. And this story is a true call to the building of the kingdom. I mean, people get excited about go, build, Nehemiah, yeah. People get excited about doing their part. Every single person that does something is named. They get excited about it. The world... Uh, the word is exalted at the center. People weep and beg for more from the word. They cry out from repentance. This is Nehemiah, an awesome story. But what I want to point out is this. If you flip over to Nehemiah chapter 13. After all the labor and the building, all the 13 chapters preceding it, 12 chapters preceding it, the fighting, the spear in one hand, hammer in the other, the weeping, the reconciling, the, the, the recognition of sin in their lives and the decision to repent and to, to, to follow the Lord, the celebration of what God was doing. And I think that's us. Look around. We, we can celebrate what God's been doing in all of our fellowships and all of our lives at Midtown. We have cause to celebrate what we've built. Look at, look at what God's done at Midtown. Look at this. Who, who here was, was here when, when Midtown was planted? I mean, just pretend like none of us were. Might as well not have been. I know, I know, I know you guys were. <laughs> Nehemiah chapter 13, verse 1. It says, on that day they read, they had everything set up, they're, they're doing their thing, they're reading, seeing how they can be more godly. On that day they read in the book of Moses in the audience of the people, and therein was found written that the Ammonite and the Moabite should not come into the congregation of God forever. Like, hey, we're supposed to keep the Moabite and the Amorite separate from us forever. Because they had not met the children of Israel with bread and with water, but hired Balaam against them, that he should curse them. 
Howbeit our God turned the curse into a blessing. So he's, they're recapping, they're reading in the Bible that, oh, look, look at this, we're supposed to be separate from these people, so let's, let's, let's apply the word of God, let's apply it to our lives, let's separate ourselves. 13 verse 3, now it came to pass when they heard the law that they separated from Israel all the mixed multitude. They obeyed. They heard the word and they applied it to their lives. The, the bulk of the people were willing to obey the word of God as an audience, as, as a church. The good folks heard from the Lord and they responded in faith to the sermon. They acted in obedience. They repented and obeyed the scripture. And then look at verse 4. Nehemiah 13, 4. And before this, Eliashib the priest, having the oversight of the chamber of the house of our God, was allied unto who? Tobiah. Now, this name should maybe ring a couple bells. Who, who was it that heard of what Nehemiah was doing in Jerusalem and decided to be their enemy? Look back at two, two, chapter 2, verse 10, when Sambalite, Sambalat, the Horonite, and Tobiah, the servant, the Ammonite, heard of it, it grieved them exceedingly that there was come a man to seek the welfare of the children of Israel. Who was it that sought to trick and wile Nehemiah out of his work, out of what he was doing? Who was it that was trying to get him to stop rebuilding the kingdom? Chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. Now it came to pass when Sambalat and Tobiah... And Geshem, the Arabian, and the rest of our enemies heard that I had builded the wall, that there was no breach left therein, that Sambalot and Geshem sent unto me, saying, Come, let us meet together in some of the villages in the plain of Ono, but they thought to do me mischief. After everything that Nehemiah was, has led his people through, you find out in verse 6 of chapter 13 that Nehemiah had to leave. It's a time when Nehemiah had to go back, pay his respects to the king of Persia. He wasn't there. And while he's gone, visiting, visiting the king, making sure everything's good, re-upping his visa or something, he returns to find out that Eliashib, the builder of the sheep gate, the Levite, who had oversight of the, ch the chamber of the house of God, his brother-in-arms, was allied unto Tobiah, their enemy. And this is where Kenny would go, are you kidding me? Are you kidding? <laughs> kidding me? The little accent. Me. I listen to his podcast and I can't get enough. I'll skip next time because I don't like 2 Samuel chapter 11. Just kidding. <laughs> okay, this pulpit's really low. After all this, the guy we left in charge of worship, the guy, the guy who was a Levite, and the word made a place, the guy who was in charge of worship in the word, made a place in the house of God for our enemy who's been trying to stop us from building the kingdom this whole time. This guy sets up Tobiah in the house of God while our fearless leader was out of town. Unity is what holds the house together when the boss man is away. Ephesians 4.3, endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. Endeavoring, working, why? The end of the passage in, in Ephesians 4 I'm going fast, remember, I'm not, you don't get any breaks. Ephesians 4, 14, that we henceforth be no more children, tossed to and fro and carried about with every wind of doctrine by the slight of man and the cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. That's you, one stick, a child tossed to and fro, alone, snapped by the enemy. 
endeavoring to keep the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace, that we be no more children, endeavoring for unity so that we're not alone getting snapped, so that we're not making these terrible decisions by ourselves, so that, because this is a, this is a key point, because unity is important, because unity and integrity go hand in hand. If I am unified here, if we have one mind in church service, if I'm friends with everybody, if I, everyone thinks I'm great, if all's, it's all going good, I love everyone, but at home, I complain about you guys to my family and my spouse. If I behave like that, if I go home and I critique and I cut people down and I, I say, man, this guy really smells and this, this girl just doesn't get it and she's so rude to me all the time and I always cry, when I, whatever. If I behave like that, if people see me as two-faced, Two-faced, if I'm, if I'm one way here and I go home and I'm bickering at home, if they see me like that, if my family sees me like that, I'm not only poisoning the unity of my family, I'm poisoning the unity of us. I'm showing myself as a person of low integrity. A person of low integrity cannot be trusted. They cannot be trusted to clean the church. They cannot be trusted to disciple. And they cannot be trusted to babysit your children. I mean, if they're not integrity. Integrity means if you're alone in a room, I have no idea what you're going to do. If you have good integrity, I can trust you. I know that you're going to do the right thing when no one's watching. If you, have, if you don't have any integrity, why would I trust you in a room alone with my kid? Amen, brother. That's right. So... We're all God's children. God's looking down. And he says, oh, you want to you wanna be somebody? What are you going to do in a room by yourself? Can I trust you in a room full of my kids? If you do not have integrity to do what is right when no one is looking, you absolutely do not protect the unity of the body of Christ. Through the actions and words of a person of low integrity, Satan can infect the body. He can creep disunity into the very floorboards of the house. Throughout the battle the Israelites and Nehemiah were waging, building their Jerusalem, fending off the enemy, Satan had been using the low integrity of Eliashib to plant Tobiah, their enemy, in the chamber of the house of God. And Eliashib's low integrity led to the unity being attacked by the enemy. I mean, imagine, we're building MBT, where we're building Life Fellowship, or any of our fellowships, and it's a fight. We're working very hard every week to try to take one more step. One small victory leading to a small victory, leading to somebody consistently making good choices. It's a slugfest fighting for fruitfulness. It's an enormous task to win Kansas City. We know it's daunting, but with Christ it's possible, but we know it's hard work. Now imagine, while all this is going on, we're making disciples, we're building the kingdom, we have the walls up, the buildings are being rebuilt, we're getting the door frames going, we have ministry running, Bible study, a steady stream trickle of new believers interested in the Word of God. Now imagine, Kenny takes a, takes a not a break, but he goes to Certainty Conference, he's out of town, and he, he leaves Mark Rhodes in charge, and this is not happening, this is just my example. <laughs> Mark has amazing integrity, would never do this. Kenny's out of town, Mark's in charge, and this would be like, so this is example what, 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 what Eliashib did, this would be like Mark in charge inviting some non-believing 
church hater, this is a long list, I'm, now I'm realizing a lot of it's not appropriate to say, um, some lost person who hates God and, hate some, and someone who, who cannot be trusted to come fill the pulpit. He just invites some random guy up who's going to spit poison from the pulpit. Maybe he's a liberal. Just kidding. Get those politics out of here. Unity is what will defend us, though, if we will not find unity while dodging personal integrity. What is the point of all this labor, all this time spent, lifting pillars, setting posts, reading the Bible, worshiping God, working through these, these crises in people's lives, working with people, meeting people there, crying with one another, fighting for God's word to be true in your life, fighting against the enemy trying to tear you down? What's the point of all that? If when we are tested, we will not, be, we will not have integrity. We won't protect the unity of our brother and sister. We will allow the enemy to, to be right next to us when we go home right in the midst of what we're doing. Who cares about how much Eliashib had helped build when he planted seeds of destruction when no one was looking? The history of Achan didn't matter in Joshua 7. You don't know anything about this guy. In Joshua 7, you don't know anything about the good things he did. You don't know how he helped Israel. You don't know how good of a fighter he was, how good of a friend he was. What do you know about Achan? You don't know he showed up for security, duty, faithfully, how he opened the door for people, how he always had something to clever to say at Bible study, how he told his buddies that he'd pray for them when they brought up something. You don't know any of that about Achan. No, all that's mentioned of Achan is the Bible is that due to the absence of integrity in his heart, his actions led to the destruction of God's people. That's the only thing you know. So what leads us to this? Where did, where did we lose our minds? When did we find time to be envious of one another? In the midst of building the kingdom. When did we put down the Bible to complain and slander about our leaders to each other? When did we stop believing in the power of prayer and turn to the grotesquity of gossip? I made up the word grotesquity, I think. The little squiggly arrow didn't show up, so it must be a word. At what point did preaching become insufficient for us? That preaching's not enough, and now I know what's best. Who am I to put aside the work of Christ to steal for myself fleshly personal gains? So we will abandon and blaspheme unity as long as we refuse to die to ourselves and fear the Lord. 1 Samuel 12, 20 through 25, I'm going to read through this really quickly. And Samuel led unto the people, said unto the people, Fear not, ye have done all this wickedness, yet turn not aside from following the Lord, but serve the Lord with all your heart, and turn ye not aside. For then ye should go after vain things, which cannot profit nor deliver, for they are vain. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people." Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and right way. Only fear the Lord and serve him in truth with all your heart, for consider how great things he hath done for you. But if ye shall still do wickedly, ye shall be consumed, both ye and your king. We will only become a people of fierce personal integrity, devotion, when we are a people who will feel, fear the Lord above all else. 
always keeping him in his place, the highest above all else, so bright as to blur everything else we could possibly consider. How could I think about comparing myself to Mark when God's brightness in my life is too much for me to even see him? And I'm not saying don't see them, like we we are in fellowship together, but when God's glory has its place in my life, when God's word is a fire burning inside of me and I can't get past how can I conform more to its image, then, well, then I'm, I'm, I'm in celebration that someone else gets to preach the word. Then I'm, I'm praising God that who cares who's up there, I get to hear God's word. What is my jealousy in the face of Christ? Where is my envy on my knees before his person? At what point in my pursuit of Christ the Lord is there room to think of myself? There's a, there's a dude, um, and this is whatever, there's a dude in Fox's Book of Mar- Martyrs, his name's Cyprian, Cyprian, I don't know. In his care, he was the Cyprian, he was the bishop of Carthage or whatever. And this is his, this is his thing, like he, it's said in the book, I, I don't know if I, I didn't put it up there, I don't think. So in all of his transactions, he took great care to ask the advice of his clergy, knowing that this, this is like his catchphrase almost, that unanimity, 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 <laughs> no one knowing your name alone could be of service to the church. This being one of his maxims, that the bishop was in the church and the church was in the bishop so that unity can only be preserved by a close connection between the pastor and his flock. Now, please hear me. I'm not saying it was a sin um, for Nehemiah to leave the people. I'm wrapping up here. I'm not saying it was a sin for Nehemiah to leave the people. But Nehemiah needed to be with his body, and the body needed him. The body needed to have integrity, even if Nehemiah was there or not. Another point, 2 Samuel 11, now that we talked about this. Where was David, the king of the people, when everyone was going to war? At a time when kings went to war, David. Unity means that we are in this together. Unity means that we have something more to live for. Unity means that this body, I was watching Treasure Planet, and he's with my kids, and the old pirate guy, he's like, Jimmy, Jimbo, you got the makings of greatness in you. And that's what I think that we have, the makings of greatness. (laughs) Because... Because Christ can do anything in your life. Because no matter who you are, he has equipped you to preach the gospel. Maybe not in the pulpit, but in maybe, maybe not in a Bible study. Wherever, he's, he's, he's equipped you to share Jesus Christ with the world around you. No matter who you are, you are ready. You are equipped. You are a soldier fighting the battle. We are born into a spiritual warfare, and once you're saved, you get the stuff to be able to fight back. Here's all the armor. You've been just a random guy. Unity, together, we get to do that. Unity is the makings of greatness. Unity is the more that we have to live for. Unity is, even if I'm going to fall, even if I'm going to sin, I'm not going to do anything to inhibit the people around me, because they can do it too. Who am I? And so I want to read Philippians 2 one more time, and then I'm going to get out of here, and and Mitch is going to come up. Philippians 2, that same, that same passage. If there be, therefore, any consolation in Christ, if any comfort of love, 
If any fellowship of the Spirit, if any bowels and mercies, fulfill ye my joy that ye be like-minded, having the same love, being of one accord, of one mind. Let nothing be done through strife or vain glory, but in lowliness of mind let each esteem other better than themselves. Let not Look not every man on his own things, but every man also on the things of others. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of man. In being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore? God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things in heaven and things in earth and things under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So, Mitch, if you want to. Thank you. Thank yeah. you. Praise God. Appreciate. No, I appreciate the message. I'll just clip it to you. <laughs> so, illustration of unity. Some more slack. Yeah. This, this got real awkward real quick. Oh, good. Yeah. All right. Here you go. I, I'm second guessing. I'm second. I'm thinking, you know. Second thing. Yeah. All right. Well. All right. This is good enough. All right. So, so thank you all for, for being here for this. It was important as the, some of the fellowship uh, leaders were talking and connecting about uh, making sure that we don't have silos, making sure we don't have walls between the fellowships. Uh, some of you have visited a fellowship and then you ended up in another fellowship. That's okay. Like, we all love you. We want you where the Lord has you. And, and so there's no need for it to be awkward. I've actually encountered people who have like apologized to me for ending up in a different fellowship. And I'm like, you don't need to apologize for being where the Lord has you. Like, that's a beautiful thing. Like, I'm thrilled we get to serve together. I'm thrilled we get to worship together. And this, this kind of time is important. And we're kind of committing to do it on some sort of regular basis. It's, it's important for us to break these keep the walls broken down maybe is a better way of saying it rather than I don't think the walls need to be broken down as much as just to keep them broken down uh, thank you for who am I to steal body steal from the body and rob it of unity today this morning maybe there's some aspect of unity that you have failed in uh, it, was, it was an interesting, you know, a lack of integrity produces a lack of unity, and a lack of unity damages the body. And so, so maybe you need to reconnect with someone here in this room, maybe in another fellowship. Maybe you, uh, maybe you need to humble yourself before someone and, and apologize for your actions, apologize for something you said, or maybe you need to start putting others first, esteeming others better than yourself. 
I had a, had a dear friend tell me that uh, he was reconnecting with someone and he said, I put my hands on their shoulders and look them eye to eye. And I don't know that I'd ever heard that expression before. I don't know if it's even an expression, but, but maybe you need to do that this morning. You know, Del and I prayed in the back and I did that. I took just a moment and I put both of my hands on his shoulders and I looked him square in the eye and I told him how much he meant to me and how much I loved him. Maybe you need to do that this morning. Maybe there's some aspect of unity that needs to be reinforced, right? Needs to, you just need to tell somebody how much you love them and how much it's an honor to serve with them. So as we close, I would just encourage you, don't lose the, the unity momentum that we have as a church. Don't let, it, don't let your own agenda, your own pride, your own inadequacies, your own lack of faith get in the way. No, lean into the unity. Lean into the fact that there's brothers and sisters to support you. You know, there, there's kind of a saying that says, you know, a, a failure shared is divided, but a success shared is multiplied. And so take this, the rest of the time we have this morning, and really as we continue to go forward in ministry together, to share successes, share your failures, because those things will be conquered, those things will be overcome, and the body will be edified. Thank you for being here this morning. Let's uh, all close us in prayer. Lord, thank you so much for your grace. You're really, really, really good to us. And thank you for uh, just even the, the structure that you've set up in the local church to be an integral part of our walk. Thank you for my dear brothers and the fellowship pastors that, that, that minister to different groups in this room and different people that are even up at main service and will be making their way down here for fellowship. Lord, thank you for the youths showing up today to lead us in worship, for all the logistics that went into this, the folks that brought food and, and just cared for us. Thank you for the unity that we have. But Lord, it can be destroyed so quickly, so help us to be ever vigilant. Help us to be focused and, and, and just really, really, uh, really careful that we don't, we're not the ones that get in the way of unity. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your word being clear and preached uh, just uh, unashamedly and simply today. In Jesus' name, amen.